Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 82 of season 3. 8-2, season 3, uh, our first guest of the new season. And it was a heck of a conversation with a guy that we both really like and a guy with some history with our show, actually. Well, yeah, you will, just after this intro, if you stick around, you will hear some music he composed custom for the show. Uh, he did our intro and our outro music, which is beloved, at least by us. Very talented composer, uh, talented creative uh, in a bunch of ways, and a really thoughtful dude. Absolutely. Uh, and he's someone who is truly forging a career yeah. for himself musically and entrepreneurially. Uh, and he's doing it in, in some great circumstances, in some challenging circumstances, yeah. like many of us are. Uh, which is why we wanted to have him on the show to talk about uh, the idea of make it work, the ability to to create and to succeed in the face of restriction. Oh yeah, and he has done that time and time again uh, with me on projects, and I think that's why we work w- so well together is because of our willingness to make it work. I think, um, and so yeah, Colin dropped some some insights on us, and it was a great way to start off the season. Absolutely, and to start off the season, uh, we've got uh, a sponsor for our episode who is also very close to us close to home <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah um green room magazine shouts out to green room for sponsoring this uh, episode of the podcast uh, as you may know that is a project i've been working on for some time uh man two three years it seems like and uh, it's it's a magazine uh, at the core but doing a lot of shows all sorts of other things i've been deeply involved in the design and the branding and uh, we're doing some really dope stuff, I think, for the magazine. And I, I had the chance to contribute. Uh, the new issue won't be out for a little while, but uh, that tour I went on with Gallant, that'll be in the next issue, and and we're really proud of, uh, of the magazine. You can check that out at greenroommagazine.com. And I hope that you do, because I'm a proud subscriber. Yeah! Uh, so thank you, Green Room, for existing and for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Colin Fitzpatrick for your work on our show and for your time on our show. Thank you, listeners. We hope you enjoy episode 82. Make it work. Here's a secret. Memory phone is uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It's wildly uncomfortable. That's what it is. And people buy it because it's supposed to be orthopedic, ergonomic, and uh, non-disruptive to your partner. But none of those are particularly true, and it's uncomfortable. (sighs) Vinny! Grant. It's been a while. It has been too long. And I'm curious, in that space, what have you been up to? What are you working on? What are you putting your time into? What a, what a great question. Uh, a lot, actually. Very much. Uh, work has been really busy. We've had some amazing new business wins and even more cool new business pitches. Uh, so I've been putting a lot of time in at the office. That's Yamamoto for people who aren't remembering or familiar. Uh, also putting some work in personally, trying to get my new website ready to go. All right. Uh, so people who are familiar with the cast know that I talked about this in like fall of last year. (laughs) It's been a long fucking time coming. Yeah. But hopefully, uh, it'll be early. We got it to a beta, right? We worked together on that. Yep. How's it coming along? Improvements. Cool. Progress is being made. Uh, and I would be remiss, even though I, I'm sensitive to, to mentioning it, uh, my other podcast endeavor, these parts, we've had a lot of amazing local Minneapolis comedians on and comedians from all over the country. And we have a new website. Oh, you have a new website? Yes. Is it a Squarespace? Yes, it is. It is a Squarespace website. Thesepartspodcast.com. If you're interested, check it out. If not, that's fine too. That has kept you very busy. 
And Grant, I'm anxious to ask you the same question. What have you been putting your time into? And thanks for mentioning your other podcast, because I, I, <laughs> I was going to bring it up if you didn't. So that's awesome. And thank you so much. Uh, man, it has been um, an interesting period. And I, I feel like there's so much there. But uh, a lot of stuff I've been working on right now has actually been just like kind of art. <laughs> so I have an art show coming up. I think when this when this podcast drops, it will be imminent. The show will be probably happening soon. Uh, within weeks. Within weeks. And so that's been a lot of work. That's kind of my first like exhibition well no i'm sort of an exhibitionist by trade in a general sense <laughs> yeah yeah but what? my first art art exhibition so that's been an interesting process and a long process and it's like most new endeavors more tedious than first expected <laughs> certainly um besides that uh man i really have been digging in i know i talked about this at the end of last year but been digging into the music stuff and that's one reason I'm super excited to have our guest on, but, uh, the DJing stuff and taking production classes every week. And so that's been a whole new learning experience as well. And, you know, besides that, just making stuff pretty consistently jamming on the cast, jamming on all sorts of projects. Great. If I'm, if I'm allowed to glow just a tiny, tiny uh, bit about you for just a minute, for just a minute, I know that you're not a fan of this, sure. but I will. The fact that I've known you for maybe five years now. Something like that, yeah. Pretty much every year that I've known you, you've learned something drastically different and tried to drastically change and improve the way that you produce art and, and see the world. So that is a constant source of inspiration and enthusiasm for me. Just wanted to get that out there. Before we go to something else very enthusiastic, which is introducing our guest who's a true homie to us both. Oh my gosh. And has some history with the show. He does have some history with the show. And actually, something I was working on uh, since we took our hiatus, our holiday hiatus, was a project for General Mills for Betty Crocker that I collaborated with this particular gentleman on. He did the music for it. And he did it it under some tight (laughs) deadlines and some tight budgets. And frankly, he made it work. This dude has some history with us. Man, how many years have we known this guy? I've Probably known like f- him for now working on three. Three? Maybe, I feel like maybe for me a little bit longer, right? Yeah, like five. Probably like five, six five or six, six years. Six years. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm just remembering. Yeah. We have, we like, do have an origin story that honestly won't be that interesting <laughs> to listeners of the podcast. But, but. We'll let the listeners decide that. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we. He was interning with a band at the time, and I was sort of trying to... I didn't know what it even was, but I was trying to manage the opener for a show at the band he was interning for. So (laughs) we met at that show. Truly six degrees of separation. That was crazy. And then we kind of went from there. We stayed in touch, and like our worlds just kind of collided. And if you're... Who is this person? Well, here's the thing. If (laughs) If you're listening to the podcast right now, you will have heard that this intro sequence how does it go uh it's it's upbeat guitar riffs. yeah yeah something like that <laughs> and then we got a little like intercut there and then it's like and then and he can tell us if we did a good job <laughs> we did a terrible job i know that already but if you are listening you've listened to the work of one cullen fitzpatrick cullen thank you for joining us. Yeah, so Colin, Colin did our intro and our outro music. He also did the Ship It song, which I'm sure we'll riff on later. Which is amazing. But uh, he's a musician. He's a freelance now composer. And he's in a band called Peaks. He makes really dope music. He scores commercials, films. And he's been a pretty close collaborator now for a few years. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome. We're very excited. Uh, <laughs> he made us Negronis also. This is a 10,000 hours first. Prior to recording, he said, you guys <laughs> he want a cocktail? He shows up with a, back, <laughs> yeah. a backpack and says to us, do you guys want a cocktail? We say always, obviously. Yeah. He said, I brought the supplies for Negronis and meticulously removes about 13 different articles, <laughs> including a fresh orange. So thank you for that, Colin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your amazing work on the audio of 10,000 Hours previously. And uh, let me do the honors of asking you, what have you been putting your time into recently? 
Well, um, mostly peaks lately. Uh, it's been peaks. Your band. Where where yeah. can people find them right now if they just like want to hear something <clears throat> for some context? Uh, SoundCloud.com slash We Are Peaks. We're also on and for the Spanish uh, language community, it's Somos Peaks, right? <laughs> Sorry. Go on. We are peaks. Okay. <laughs> and you can find you on Spotify, right? Yeah, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Anywhere where you can find music, you can find peaks. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel I feel like in some alley in Cuba, dude's <laughs> like drumming and like that's you a ask thing. a mariachi band. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Okay. Someday. Tell someday. us. What are you putting your time into? Peaks. Okay, go on. Yeah, so we're working on new songs. Um we released the EP last year, four songs. What was that called? Uh, Edge of the World. It's named after one of the songs that's a part of it. What are you going to say? Uh, it's named after where we recorded it. <laughs> if you guys don't know, the world's flat. <laughs> They've been lying to you. <laughs> we, we got right up against the edge. So, yeah. That's Tell us about new Peaks stuff. Quick. It's a little more upbeat stuff this time. Yeah, Peaks. It's just like a songwriter production duo. Uh, me and my friend Blake. And we both sing, both play guitar, both write the songs, and hopefully we're going to be playing some shows soon. We've just been like, like personal life stuff has been happening to both of us on separate occasions, and we haven't had time to like put a show together and actually play some stuff. So we've also only had like three songs, so we need some more songs to play. That's what you're working on now. I've actually had the pleasure of listening to a little bit of Peaks earlier this week. Oh, yeah? And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, um, thank you. What was no, the single? Thank you, thank you for making good music. What was the single off that? Uh, Lights On was the one that took off. We didn't really like push an actual single. People thought it was sure. the edge of the world because okay. the EP is called that. But yeah. we just kind of put them all out there and let people choose. And Lights, Lights On, you said? The, yeah. yeah that's real tight song. Thanks. We'll show notes that one. I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, well... Thanks for taking a, an hour out of recording and writing to be with us. To record. <laughs> yeah, to record. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean... Very so, cool. Something I said earlier, right, was Cullen, as long as I've known him, has been somebody who has just kind of made it work. Which is convenient that you should say that. Hey, because um. the topic of today's conversation is make it work. So what does that mean? It means we as creative people are always going to run into projects or endeavors or even passions that have inherent constraints. Um, Maybe it's as simple as not having any budget to make something, but it could be a lot more complex than that. But what separates the makers from the people who don't make is the ability to work within these constraints and not only work within them, but exceed them and do something great in spite of them or maybe even because of them. And Cullen, you are someone who we know for a fact does that routinely. <laughs> you create amazing things in, under some you know circumstances that are not ideal. And that is the true spirit of Make It Work. So we're hoping that you can kind of give us some, impart upon us some wisdom, or at least share some of your stories of make it work now and in the past. Well, I would say like a good example of that for me is I've been writing jingles for like the past three years, which is not what I set out to do. And uh, <laughs> so it's like the constraint of having to write something with a ukulele and a glockenspiel again for like the hundredth time. Has, has, <laughs> As uh, kind of maybe we'll show notes the Wikipedia of Glockenspiel. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's like a pretty big constraint, like an artistic. Well, like I, I want to like do, I want to make music that I want to make, and in order to make money so that I can make the music that I want to make, I have to. Well, that's certainly like an element switches. of the of the ideology of make it work. But maybe take a step back, take a step back, and talk us through a little bit of like how you got to here. Did you go to music school? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, went to music school. I went to McNally Smith. Did you come out of high school? No, like, you came... you In high school, did you know you wanted to be a musician? Or were you making music? Seems like... I was making music in high school, but I was pretty shy. I played guitar for, like, hours on end in my room after school, but no one ever really heard me. Um, and I was kind of more of, like, a math and science nerd. 
And then I went to the U of M for math for two wow. years. I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, I there's there's so many smart people there that I was like, yeah, fuck this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like a cl- classic creative path. <laughs> yeah, I switched over to Pe- film. People assume it's like this, like. Uh, artistic pursuit, but really it's just intimidated by all the smart people. You realize that you can't cut it with the STEM crowd and you just retreat. <laughs> there, there's a very clear answer at the end of every math equation. Let's go over to like the English Whoa. and art department where they can't criticize us. <laughs> or they can, but we're maybe still right. <laughs> okay, go That's on. So um, yeah, so then I started studying film for a little bit and I realized that I wanted to write music for films. Uh, I, like, I spent like like a week just not going to class and just staying in my dorm and writing songs and ironically i was failing all my music classes wow. at the time because it was all about like medieval music which it, there's cool elements of that but mostly it's what about brahms though hmm? your opinion on brahms brahms is cool that's like way later than medieval but oh it's what is it baroque period anyway ba- does it Bach is broke Okay, clearly I don't know shit about it. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, continue. No, you did. You I did. meant to interrupt, I didn't mean to derail. Okay, there we go. Oh, uh, yeah, so then I went to McNally Smith and studied um, composition. So wait, you switched? So, so hold film, the fuck on. Hold on, okay, so you started studying film at the U, yeah. and then you were like, oh, this is like not the school for me? The U of M, yeah. University of Minnesota, for clarification. It's a, it's a com- combination of two things. One is the film program isn't, like, production-oriented. It's, it's like... I've film read, theory. I, yeah. Yeah. So it was, like, studying all That the, really is, like, seems pretty stuff. ridiculous. Uh, having not gone to film school and working on all the film stuff, it's like... What are you going to do with that? Like, I, I, <laughs> I did the theory stuff in my bedroom, like... <laughs> but okay, okay. And then I went... I auditioned to be in the School of Music at U of M didn't get in because it's because i suck no uh because it's <laughs> it's classically oriented mm. and it's mm-hmm. i went in there like singing my john like mayer sounding okay, nice. thing and they're like yeah that was cute you're not coming here and then so <laughs> was that their official response? yeah <laughs> letter from the dean that was cute but no <laughs> like a big smiley <laughs> okay and then i found out about this place in saint paul Called McNally. So, yeah, and it's kind of like Berkeley College of Music, where it's more contemporary oriented. Uh, went there, got a scholarship to go there oh. to do um, film scoring. That's what I did there. Got my degree. We don't have to dive too deep into yeah, it, but like yeah. that's a huge fucking moment. I feel like most people in college to switch colleges and to really kind of switch. You started out as math. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, I'm gonna go to a music school now. And yeah. is that a two year program? Uh, four years. Four years. Okay, so yeah. did you do four years then? Um, some stuff transferred over, so it was like two and a half. Okay. There. Okay. Okay. All in all, about four and a half years. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's not too bad then. So you all graduate with a degree oriented towards scoring films. Mm-hmm. How do you parlay that? Which into... means what, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what frankly, does a man who scores I mean, films. A, a, do? a graphic design degree is similar to me. It's like. I give so few fucks. Do you know how many people <laughs> have asked me to see my degree in all of my career so far? I'll tell you how many people have seen mine. Zero. Yeah. Legit, exactly zero. Yeah. In the creative fields, it's like, lousy. It's a joke. So yeah, how, I, where'd you get Not it? saying you shouldn't study and go, go but okay. Right. So you got your degree. I've, actually, one one job so far has at, like required that you have a degree in music in order to okay. write music for the film. I was like, wow. Okay. So worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe I have a shot at that one because of my degree. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and then I got an internship at this place called BWN Music, mm-hmm. um, which is a music house for commercials. And I wrote music for commercials there for like three years or so. Wait, so you you... Ecl- oh yeah eclipsed the internship got hired yeah yeah right after the internship um i didn't think i was going to because they didn't have any space so like the first six months i was working out of like a closet which <laughs> talk about making it work right a classic harry potter situation <laughs> those are some real literal physical constraints but i want to tear into the meat of this topic which i think exists in two spheres one is 
exceeding your limitations, the hard limitations that aren't personal, that are external. But I think there's a really important conversation to be had here about art and compromising art in the name of commerce, in the name of a career, and in the name of in the name of applied art. Namely in the form of doing commercial music, and namely in the form of jingles. As so, you named earlier. So can you at least broach the subject about how you feel when you have to apply what is an artistic lens to a less than artistic product? Uh, it doesn't feel good <laughs> to Ooh. do that. Um, I don't know. You get requests to like rip off bands and artists who have spent so much time coming up and developing a sound that that truly comes from their soul. And it, it actually is art because, I mean, we could sit here and, and try to find art like for hours, but for me, it's something that comes from like a, a authentic, soulful place. And um, then I'm required to like make something that sounds like that in a couple hours. Yeah. I mean, uh, true expression of self. Yeah. Really, right? It's like something super authentic. It is like the most genuine expression of It's self. as authentic as it gets. Pretty much, yeah. So that's that's pretty hard. That's and kind of, it's, it's kind of fucked. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like, <laughs> frankly, like we, you and I have talked about this even at, at to some length about like, I've like put you in that situation, not mm -hmm. without really understanding the ramifications or what I was really asking. And I think that is the case for a lot of situations, right? It's like, oh, they don't know what they're really asking, which is to say like, they're asking you to like grab someone else's soul and like put a mask over it and like parade it around. Yeah. And maybe that's a bit idealistic, but it's kind of true. And it really wouldn't, it's not so bad to do it like, I don't know, now that I'm freelance, freelancing, I spend a lot of my time like finding clients and in between that time, I spend a lot of my time like writing stuff that I want to write. But before I was like, 40 minimum 40 hours a week just pumping out stuff that was like commercial and sellable and and would stay out of the way of vo and all this stuff that i don't really want to think about mm -hmm. I, I, th I feel like i'm derailing where we were oh you're trying to not at all you're, you're fine you're buddy. railing i would say <laughs> um my question then is is maybe a more applied one it is how do you maintain an artistic vision in the face of very strict artistic constraints. My allegory, I guess, in my own career would be, how do I look at something I've written for a client? Maybe it's not even a client I agree with. Maybe it's a client who has very strict parameters over what they want written. How do I look on that work and still feel some amount of pride about it? Or is the solution to remove pride from the equation altogether? I guess that's what I'm asking you because you've done both in a very visceral way. You've branched out and done your own music career where you perform and you create music that you love and you write yourself. And you've done the actual jingle, the butt of the advertising joke in Exortia. You've done that. So I want to know what you think about that sort of dichotomy. I think you separate it. Because, like, I wouldn't say jingle writing isn't, it's, it's a service. It's not, it's not art, you know? Like, it's not, it's more of a product. You're, you're doing something the same way, like, I don't know, look at all the other creative people that are involved in making commercials, like the editor, the colorist, all that kind of stuff. Those are fields of art, but in this application, they're just doing it as a means to make the commercial like so perhaps the overlap comes when i mean maybe okay so in our scenario a couple times it's like when i'm looking for art like because i'm trying to create art to a degree mm -hmm. like and especially because as a director i don't direct that many things so like the things i'm doing and maybe that's just the stage i'm at it career-wise because like I'm not really making my full living at all from directing stuff. But it's like there's a funny overlap it seems like when it's like I'm like I want to make this really good. And when I think of really good I think of 
art, which is essentially to me like, oh, it's at a certain level. It's just really good. And so I come to Colin. That's why I come to Colin because I'm like, <laughs> I want to make this really great. But I'm forcing like constraints on you that are the equivalent of like what you would normally separate from art. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's more like so the, like so. How do you approach that then? Though, are you like are you still separating it when when the person asking is client, but really more like fellow artist slash like collaborator? There are circumstances where it's there like, we go. Okay. it does yeah, yeah, feel yes. more artistic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but I would say that like if we're just talking about commercials and advertising, the ad is the art form. Like advertising is one of America's greatest art forms ever, and like we're we're really fucking good at that you know our presidents our presidential campaigns is all that's that art form and maybe the ad itself that you're making is the art form and i'm just like a piece of that i'm just like essentially if this was a painting i'm just the music is just like the paint or something or just the paintbrush and so i'm just a tool to make that art form or like a film for instance, if yeah. I'm doing the underscore, yeah, it's a little more. Um, it's like yeah, a it's, it's like, a layer. It's a layer. It's a, it totally yeah. is. When I, when I think of design, I so. think of like when I think of a really good design. There's usually this layer that pulls everything. It's like the glue. It's actually here's like a glue compressor, right? Like the EQ, like a compressor will pull it together in music, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It will it will make the elements work together if you're compressing everything. The same with design where it's like sometimes I'll put layers on layers to like make it all feel cohesive. And I actually think about uh, music as, I mean, there are different levels. Sometimes it's so important. Not that it's never not important. Sometimes it is the focal point. Other times it needs to just support the other pieces of the puzzle. But really that is the thing a lot of times with music. It's like, no, I just need this to like support the rest of the art. I don't need this Mm -hmm. to like scream and like be that focal point. And so I think that that's part of the mentality of make it work is to like know the place or know the position of the thing you're doing. Cause the problem with the problem, the problem with some things or people or whatever is they need to be the focal point of the piece when it's like not called for, you know? And so that's like, a, I think a smart, or not a smart, that's something I think you know how to do, which isn't to mean that you're like, Oh, I'll always play supporting cast, but it's like, I can understand what is called for here mm-hmm. and I can fill that. Yeah. And when, when music needs to be the focal point, when it's just a song for my band or something like that, yeah. then that can really be more artistic because that's the final product. That's mm-hmm. that is considered the work of art. I guess the, the uncomfortable question that I'm <laughs> attempting to ask Please. is, do you bring the same amount of passion and m- maybe meticulous care to both types of projects now inarguably the single that you write for peaks will include a higher volume of work more dedication more more passion literally more time but is the same level of dedication and passion there when you write a jingle for a client and if not or if so why I would say no. I mean, I put I definitely put way more time and effort into my band and my art projects because I have more time to do it. You know, if I'm writing a jingle, I generally have a couple hours, maybe a couple days. Yeah, fuck. So, I mean, dude, the Betty Crocker stuff we did. Yeah, like I, I like, we'll show notes that too. But I mean, that was pretty ridiculous. That was yeah. a few a few days. I mean, and maybe that's I like all of them are. Yeah. Okay, As a third nice. party observer, I'll say I really enjoyed those spots. Nice. They were they were I think they were well made and they, they struck me as well made. So what you're saying is it's basically a judgment call. You have to not only evaluate how much you care about a given project, but also the the amount of caring you're allowed to do based upon the constraints, be they budgetary or timing. Yeah. Well, the big thing is if you creative energy, this is something I've learned from doing it, writing jingles full time. You only have so much. Yeah. And I've gone through a burnout stage and it was devastating. Like I was, it, I put, it put me in such a deep, dark depression because I didn't have that like opening in my brain that was like receiving and recepting ideas anymore. 
And it's full output. It's just like you're completely burnt. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't think of anything. And so you have to be careful with how much you're going to give for certain things. And that's, so uh, I will, it's kind of weird talking about this with like you being my client. Grant, yeah, in that situation, like, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. dude. I mean, and we had a conversation about it. Like, I, dude, I think it's healthy. I, I think sometimes, okay, w- one point before I get to the notebook that I'm tapping at right here. One point is that something I've realized after being a quote unquote client for you is an example. I'm my client is let's say a brand or somebody like an agency or something, and then like I don't want to pass that buck along because there's this classic fucking scenario of like oh blaming the client whatever. But like when you are the client and you realize you're putting unfair constraints on your collaborators, that's like a moment, and I think it's a really healthy moment to have because it you you get a whole new perspective and you understand you kind of. I don't say you sympathize, but you you at least un- understand why the clients maybe don't know what they're doing. And I'm not saying that like you can play that card always, but sometimes you just don't know the constraints, the energy, the negative uh, stuff you're putting on the person you're collaborating with. And I think there's something to be said about someone who quote unquote makes it work in communicating that what they're doing, like what they need. So it's just like any relationship. So. I think a collaborator, a good collaborator, needs to tell me, and, and this isn't like the bullshit of when we're talking about budgets and other things, like, normally I wouldn't do this for this, but but frankly, <laughs> fucking say that. Like, tell me straight up, because sometimes you don't know. You uh-huh. don't know that you're putting undue, undue constraints and undue negative energy on someone. So I'm not putting all of the onus on you or on that person, but it does give you a different perspective when you work with people who then, like, who then reveal that to you. It's like, oh, wow. Like, of course, I have a sense of it. I Like, for example, with those spots, I knew I was asking a lot of you. But there are other times where it's like, oh, you just have no idea. Because some people are, like, are already doing... It, it, dude, this is... Okay, so to get to what I had written here was deciding when slash not. That's such a critical thing for... Uh, especially for a freelancer or someone going out on their own is like deciding when they're going to make it work. And when they need to say no, it's, this is like classic. So, so sometimes you assume that when the person is going to make it work, that their motivation is there and that you don't need to provide more. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about taking advantage because that's like my fucking nightmare. Like, because I have been and I will surely be again. But like, that is the nightmare is to, to ask too much, to pull too much to exhaust your your friends and your collaborators because oftentimes we're friends right i mean that's how it works in in this stuff you build relationships when colin is it worth it and what makes it worth it to work under budgetary or timing constraints give us some real world kind of concrete reasons that you would do that in advertising in anything. In, anything. in anything. Why would you say yes to me to work on a project that seems fucking silly? Why would you say yes to anyone? Um, Because it's fun. Like, that would be the number one Interesting. reason. Like, if I think it's going to be fun and I I know the people that I'm going to be working with pretty well, mm-hmm. and I know that they're fun people and they're talented and excited about what they're doing, then I'm probably going to be excited about doing it. So mm-hmm. that's that's reason number one. If I were to do a project that I know is like, under what I would charge for it, like money wise, mm-hmm. the number one reason would be because it'd be fun. Other reason would be if it's good for your reel or whatever, your demos. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Brady, friend of the show, like guest that. on the show. I don't know what episode. <laughs> this is one of the first times we, where I can't pinpoint. I think we're what do you think? That. Uh, <laughs> no, I actually know for a fact that it is 43. Respect. But yeah, he talks about like the real, the relationship, or the revenue, the three R's of like, the reasons you do a project is it a great portfolio piece is it a great like building relationship piece or is it good for the bank account and i think the the important point to remember about jordan brady's delineation of that is that the revenue is an equal participant in that triumvirate yeah you need you need to be aware of it like especially as a freelancer or as an independent business owner it's irresponsible not to. It is important to remember that you need you need money and you need budget to survive. <laughs> yeah. But it is also important to remember that payment alone is only one of three pillars. 
and that you shouldn't sell out a relationship, you shouldn't do something creatively bankrupt just because it pays well. Totally. That was equally important in his expression of that. Yeah. Cullen, do you have any making it work stories for us? Super constraints. Do you have any sort of beating the odds tales from your career that you'd like to impart upon us? I feel like just getting to a certain level of making music full time, even though it's not the kind of music that I want to write. Fuck yeah. um, All the time. That was like, just getting to that point, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, But actually, probably about five months ago, I left my job at BWN. We're and... raising our, our our fists in solidarity. Yes, solidarity. Even though I I still have a, an agency job, so but in spirit, I'm in with spirit. you, yeah, Colin. It, it is. I'm spirit, with you. Yeah, I mean, we, and we've had a few conversations about that too, right? I'm yeah. I'm super excited for you. I know it's like fucked, but it's like worth yeah. it, right? Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, I got this. This is gonna be so tough. yeah, yeah. And then like three months in, I was like, oh shit, this is hard. <laughs> um, it's hard to just like spend so much time finding clients and staying up on that like that dude don't constraint right like oh my god Uh, we i've talked to uh uh, with eric fawcett who was on the show at the end of the year 79 episode 79 Mm -hmm. he i mean just relationships just the (laughs) relationship management at that level Mm -hmm. because okay let's say you are human which i'm assuming you are you have friends you have maybe romantic relationship. Maybe you have whatever. You have family. Those relationships on their own are hard enough to sustain, to build. It's like then take that into a professional and a business context. And especially when you're the only one doing it, that's like fucking really challenging. And that's yeah. That's why there are like biz dev people at agencies or biz dev people wherever because they're relationship that's why project managers. managers exist yeah that's why account managers exist they're relationship people they they sustain the communication and the inputs and the outputs and when you have to do it on your own it's challenging and i think it makes it makes you value the relationship end of those three r's much higher because mm-hmm. you realize that that is actually well, especially as like an independent, a small business, a, a freelancer or contractor or whatever, like the relationship is kind of leading. Well, okay. I actually, I think the real, let's say is leading right away. And then usually it's like the relationship is what bleeds into the other two parts because you can communi- communicate as sort of a level of confidant, like transparent, be with that person. And you can say, oh, I need to like do this or I want to do this. And they're willing to like negotiate. I just think like, relationship ends up being so 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 important the thing that relationship can do that that real and and revenue can't do is make so many things inherently natently understood it can streamline things everything from you guys being on the same page holistically of what you want out of the project to kind of unspoken understanding of your minute systems relationship can kind of bridge in my opinion the greatest gap between a project's constraints Mm -hmm. and if you have a good working relationship if you've worked together in the past if you're familiar and if you're on the same page then it can go so much further in making the project easier and better than the other two kind of spheres of that equation those things kind of come right i mean they just come naturally i think in that progression i agree I concur, counselor. <laughs> here, here. Uh, let's talk about constraints in the abstract. Mm, or not in the abstract at all. In the concrete? In the practical. Okay. Uh, let's talk about a, a, a particular branch of the social media tree uh, that was built specifically to include constraints. So anyone out there who's a social media fan, think to yourself. What platform do I use daily that is needlessly constrained? Snapchat. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. What a great segue. Thanks, Vince. It was. This is our off-topic topic every week. We like to discuss a topic that's not exactly germane. Certainly not germane. 100% in germane. In germane. To the topic at hand. We and should just call week, it the in germane topic. <laughs> Maybe that's a new thing. It's a little less catchy, but 
We are talking this week about Snapchat. Uh, the hottest social media platform of 2015. Maybe not 2016. We, we don't know yet. But it's still a major part of our cultural zeitgeist. For rumblings of peach. Wow. You might, I'm not fucking with you. I don't, I, peach isn't a thing. I don't even know what that is. Okay. We'll save that for 2017. Well, I'm, sure, no, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point this year, if it takes off. I hope it doesn't, because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Colin, what do you think about Snapchat? I don't know a whole lot about Snapchat, to be honest. I have two. What are they? Are they considered friends on Snapchat? Yeah, like they are. Followers? I they don't are. know. Friends. Friends. Yeah. Yeah, so I have two. One is a, a friend of mine. In real life, and one is my girlfriend, who's also a friend of mine in real life. And the and the other friend, you should note, did originally birth you, and so it's your mother. <laughs> it is your mother. Yeah. It's not my mother. Okay, okay. Um, but I just don't know how to use it. I guess. Sure. I never know which way to swipe. That's like my biggest thing. As I'm like swiping. Stuff You're thinking of it... Tinder. <laughs> no, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> okay, I know, I know, I know. And you just mentioned your girlfriend. I'm fucking with you. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's like a swipe to one way, and then it goes. Like if I just want to reply with a, with a text, like that's not the point, I guess. But, right? You yeah, reply see, with a picture. I, I think I think yeah, they make it inherently yeah, inconvenient hard. to reply with a text because it's sort of a shitty UI. Notion. Well, yeah. but I, I've learned to embrace that shitty UI. The the UI is non intuitive. I would say so. That's what. That's why I haven't that, and then also the fact that I have like nobody to send stuff to. I don't understand. Totally, do you man. follow stuff people, or do you become friends with them? Man, okay, so let's let's dive in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big. I'm not a big uh, Snapchat user, but I am a big fan. So. I think I've. I think I've definitely come around on it. Uh, well, okay, this is kind of personal, but like I feel like when I had a girlfriend, I don't have a girlfriend now. It, I was like way less interested in it, not from a romantic standpoint, but just from a like I was always with someone, and the idea of like someone Snapchatting was like kind of fucking annoying to me, like you know holding their phone up. That being said, not just because I don't have a girlfriend, now, but like where I progressed with Snapchat was, I actually found it okay. The a big thing what you were talking about is like if you don't have people that you're engaged with in that, it's pretty meaningless. <laughs> It really, truly is. Like, if you don't have a group that you're communicating with, it's just like a group text. It's just like any any sort of, like, correspondence. Then it's, like, not going to be that interesting to you. A second layer, though, is, like, I mean, beyond it just, like, building up in usage and I think becoming more of a part of culture is I have found it to be a great way, a really great way to keep in touch with people that I meet in, like, a lightweight kind of fun context. And also the impermanence of it. I was I was really into the impermanence of it from the get-go, which is to say Instagram is so fucking like edited and curated, whereas Snapchat is such a slice of life and can be you can have a totally different style and a different sense of humor, a different whatever on there. I I don't want to sound like some sort of millennial 2016 like hype machine, but Snapchat is but like, but I however will, but I'm about to Snapchat is returning a level and it's gonna sound crazy it's returning a level of purity of humanity to social man. media it, it truly is man it people cannot pour over their Snapchat history like they can Instagram and Twitter they cannot use Snapchat to create a body of work for people to arrive at to appraise their talents, to appraise their stance on various political or social issues. You use Snapchat to do, to do, it's fun. It's, it's ephemeral. Fun. Yes, it's, it's ethereal, it's momentary, and you use it, and you enjoy it, and it's gone. It is much more lightweight in that way. And so for that reason, it's pretty fun. I, and I've, I've genuinely stayed in better touch with, especially because I travel a fair amount I work on something with someone and it's like, uh, like what, what is the context you have to reach out? That's something I've thought about a lot about for the past six years is like, I'm always like, especially when I was like 
networking quote unquote as a fuck face like sorry pardon that language but it's just like i kind of don't like the idea of networking but it's like i was constantly like looking like what's a good reason to reach out back out to this person to like build that relationship now it's like so lightweight and it's fun and i'm just like genuinely connecting with people so that's pretty cool and then like it does make you creative you were getting at the constraints before it's like oh cool this keeps me kind of engaged i think the chat or the not the challenge the danger of that sometimes is like getting too caught up in the ephemeral and not leaving you know any room and energy for the actual body of work always a danger you have to appreciate as a creative person, though, the the inherent constraints of Snapchat, the 10 second. Well, and also how they keep it so interesting. I mean, the filters, the like crazy, like face morphing, the speeds. Everything about it is temporary, though. Yeah, it's kind of lovely. I mean, the, the context of the of the impetus for this conversation was I was Snapchatting Colin making us Negronis earlier. And, and the beauty and the sorrow of this is I can't say, yeah, go check out my Snapchat to see Colin making those Negronis because it is long gone. <laughs> And that's, that's I think cool. that's the greatest strength. It's of the platform. lovely. It really is lovely. I should do Snapchat. That I mean, here, awesome. here's the other yeah, thing. So, so thank you to our sponsor, so Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks to what's his name, Evan. Nobody knows. Okay, Evan, Evan Snapchat. Thanks to Evan. <laughs> that dude's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he really is. He's like, is he really? Yeah, he's he's kind of a prick. He's like a he's like a jerk, 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 rich jerk version of Mark Zuckerberg. A rich jerk version. No, 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 jerk, Zuck. jerk version. I said jerk several times because Zuck, I am like a huge fan of. I like Zuck in the abstract. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know him personally, but I just think what he's done has been, I don't know, pretty lightweight. Even if, even so if those he, of you who don't like Mark Zuckerberg, imagine a very worse version of him. He really is. He like grew up in the Palisades. Like he's he screwed a couple of his founders out way harder than zuck ever did i don't know not a fan whatever it doesn't matter here's the other interesting point though uh, about snapchat is that like now it's become such a part of the cultural zeitgeist that beyond just communicating person to person the whole story aspect is a thing and so yeah. now you have people sort of not subscribing necessarily but you can see who's like watching your thing and that's kind of fun so you get to build a story and i think that's actually a good exercise as a creative person so that's cool Beyond that, they're like the brands and like the quote unquote, not quote unquote, famous people, celebrities who have their stories and people like DJ Khaled are like, <laughs> no, no, really. And like, he's a phenomenon. And it's, it's fun, dude. It's fun to participate in that and to watch that. And it's like, it's, it is by the very nature him, you know? And, and even if he's, even if he's acting, it's like he, he's holding the fucking phone. Whereas the with a lot of the work we do, a lot of the work we do is such it's so manufactured and there's something awesome about that. There's something artistic about this, but this is generally pretty raw. And I really like following a few people on there. Like Dylan Francis, like he's an artist who I wasn't totally sure about his music a little bit, but then I started digging in. I was like, Oh guys, cool. And then I started following him. Snapchat. I was like, Oh, he's a dude. He's a dude. And he's really funny and like genuine. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Where, where a lot of social media puts a veil between you and the world that you can, you can doctor. I feel like Snapchat does just a little bit of the reverse. Yeah. Do you think you'll snap in the I future? Th- I think I might because <clears throat> some of my big problems with social media have been that it's so manufactured. And I just feel like there's there's got to be like a tipping point sometime in the near, near future where people all just realize. We're like, all too good at it. Like, this, this we're, I, we're, I feel we're like the tipping point is tipped. Yeah. Like, what the... You it's think past. that's yeah. Like people are realizing, like, yeah, this is all fake. Like, how do you think we're just all going to keep doing it? Or? Well, no, dude. Here's the reality of it. I mean, that this is the internet. Like, <laughs> there are good parts and there are bad parts. And I think that ultimately, it exists uh, in a good plane. There's like shitty elements of it, but it's like a thing that has connected us. And of course, it will continue to evolve. But I like staying on the sunny side of it. And frankly. The internet has opened so many doors to so many fucking beautiful people, and I am like a huge fan of it for connecting. But the problem is, just I mean, it's just it it goes beyond that because it's become such a source of business because it's so intersected with the commercial world. Like we're having a bunch of growing pains, and the people who were originally connecting are now caught up in a commercial world because they're trying to make a business really out of connecting. And like the service they're providing, let's just talk about like an Instagram person for a second who's posting these beautiful photos and all these things. It's like they sort of end up having to like become what they have created. 
And so they're no longer being as authentic. You know, it's like these super, super, I mean, I know some people with 100,000, 400,000, over a million followers on this thing. And it's like, it's sort of a hyper reality at, to a degree. But frankly, it's not so different from being a brand, but it's just like individuals being able to act on that level is insane. So, uh, so okay, the question there is, we don't have to go too down, deep down this, but it's like, okay, let me give an example. A person starts this account. And I mean, in Minneapolis, we have a couple people. I think hopefully David will be on the episode. He runs the Cafe Racers of Instagram account. There's the Dogs of Instagram account uh, based out of Minneapolis. They, I think they have over a million followers. There's the uh, Grumpy Cat, is it? What's his name? It, oh, Pudge. Pudge the Cat. It's like become a brand. And it's like, at what point do you separate yourself from this commercial entity? Or is it a commercial entity? And at what point is that no longer authentic? And I mean, this is a lot about what we're talking with making it work is like, are you just becoming this service and what part of you is the art and do you separate it? I think it sounds like you separate it. So if we, if we say that, then you would, you would argue maybe that, oh, that's just a brand and a business entity and it's not designed to do more than that, even if it started out as something that was that and your art needs to be over here. And actually, that's, I mean, even in a concrete example, there's this there's this girl I met. It's, just, it's like smaller than these hundreds of thousands. She probably has like 50, 60, 70. It doesn't matter what I mean. It's also, it gets pretty abstract at a certain point. I mean, it's concrete, but it's like, what does it mean? Uh, but I went on that helicopter with her with uh, Death to Stock. And actually, we, maybe we'll show us that video because that was pretty fun. I made a video. We went off the helicopter. Did you watch that? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, when we were in New York City, we got to fly around the city in a helicopter. And I was like hanging out and it was fucking tight. But uh, a cup of keen is her Instagram handle. And it's just really curated, like, shots of brunch and coffee and, like, those sorts of things. From the top down. Yeah, yeah, it's like that overhead view. The thing that every... Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. But but, uh, to a certain degree, I respect her, like, making that and consistently producing that. You know, it's it's a style. And I kind of can't shit on that. Uh, But she also has, like, a personal account with, like, not very many followers that I'm part of. And it's, like, way more real by the very nature of it. So I think that's something that's going to be by necessity, just a reality. I mean, that, that that is a thing. People separating real life and like the brand they're putting out. What are artists? Like a, a lot of musicians, some of them, maybe even if you said a majority of them are what they're doing, but a lot of them, I don't know. I feel like the musicians I've interacted with are different to a degree, almost by necessity than what you perceive them to be. And so I don't know. Well, I the point, the point, the final point I will leave there is what I like about the internet, what I like about social media, what I like about Snapchat is connecting with dope people and getting to share stuff and getting like excited and inspired. And anytime you verge on the side of like jealousy and anger and like, or just like uh, annoyance, it's just kind of like, well, fuck off. Not actually fuck off because I think that's healthy and okay, but it's just like, uh, stay on, stay on the sunny side of it. <laughs> and rant. Well, it just it just annoys me because like there's so much more attention to how people perceive you rather than the attention on bettering the content that you're making, bettering the art that you're making, bettering yourself at being an artist. And like that's what I have for a long time now have had trouble like wrapping my head around cuz I don't really do the social media stuff and I, and no one well, if you don't do the social media stuff, no one will ever know. Like, if you're a musician, Here's the you're thing. not doing social media, no, 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 no one no, no, will no. ever hear you. Let music. me give you an example, a concrete example, of somebody who I'm pretty obsessed with. One of my favorite artists, Zhu, Z-H-U. He does not do much social media. He posts very little, and that is the brand he has created. I'm not saying everyone can do that, but... How he... did you find him then? Oh, great question. I think... I think maybe through friends. He's on the same label as Gallant. And so, like, there's definitely, like build up around it but i think through friends that first showed me his stuff but he also creates stuff that's really interesting like a lot of artists music videos music that gets shared you don't need to necessarily play that social game i'm just saying like most of his stuff he's posted so few times it most of his stuff is just like that shruggy kind of i'm doing the you know what i'm talking about the kind of cockeyed smiley with the arms Oh yeah, the the Asai emoji type. Kind of, yeah, yeah, basically. Like, who, like whatever. Yeah, I'm just saying he's somebody who lets the work 
mostly speak for him. And he posts someone. So is but, he already like he, successful to a certain level? No, I, he's also kind or? of like an anonymous vibe. Like you don't see his face ever. I mean, so, he might be a corner case, like, but even in the case that you're not self-promoting, you only reach an audience through promotion. And that's even if it's not self-promotion, it's people talking about it. It's media covering it. It's it getting attention in some way. That's the, the bare nature of it. It's the classic Amadeus versus Solieri conundrum. You know, there's someone who self-promotes and who spends time cultivating an image, even if they're equally talented, don't they still, in a way, deserve their accolades more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, and this is what kind of where I was heading towards is because, like I was saying before, advertising being one of America's art forms or whatever, um, it's because you need to. Like, even before social media existed, there was some version of the people that were popular and in the popular group are the people that are successful in art. And it doesn't matter if you make like a great painting in your house, if no one ever sees it and it doesn't become popular, it's not great. And so that has been tough for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, and so, and a lot of where I'm coming from is jealousy. Like when I see people post stuff on the internet and I see like all the hype happening around it, I'm like, oh shit, like really? I'm doing all this other crap, you know, and it's like not taking off. And it's because I don't like show people. Essentially, how are people supposed to know that well, I yeah. make music? If Colin, people what, don't what I was going to ask you, you know? what I was going to ask you, which is sort of like, I fucking hate the term "devil's advocate." I really don't like it. I think it's just like not that productive because I think it just like puts a barrier between you and the thing you're saying. But, <laughs> but the question is: At what point does does that? At what point can we say that's not part of the art? Like, if 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 we're trying to reach people, if we're trying to express something that we want people to feel, is not the delivery method part of the art? And I think that's one way that I've sort of come around on it is to say, like, oh, no, this is part of the process. And if I'm completely uncomfortable with promoting that, then I need to also be completely comfortable with the idea of no one seeing it. Yeah. And I just think I think that is an art form, too. Okay, That's I won't. I, I, I won't go really so fair. far on it because I think the craft and the discipline of the thing you're trying to do is really the utmost. But yeah, I think I just, I just think that a lot of people nowadays they they're not like they're what the, we're doing. Yeah. They're not separating the two. They think that it's just because it's popular on the internet. Internet is because <laughs> oh, I put in my ten. And and in, and in fact, it's it's usually not like this is part of the art. That is the art, and we could argue about that. I don't really want to because I think it's a bit vapid. And, well, and it's, it's messy as well. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to peel back the layers. Where does the art end? Where does the promotion begin? Or were the two always and will always be inexorably linked? And that and might be Katie too tough a question. And where did the chicken come from? And was it perhaps <laughs> and the why egg? Across the road. <laughs> what was he thinking? Like, for instance, Katy Perry. She's super popular and her music is is great like on its own if it wasn't popular by other people but part of what makes it great is because a lot or, of people or like was it, talk it? About or it it has an impact or, in the zeitgeist it's it's something we can rally around because we're all familiar with it i love Katie and in his greatness <laughs> even I love Katie Perry. i'm a i'm a perry fan as well but is greatness even possible outside of the lens of popularity yes or or Honestly, yes fuck yeah are you kidding i'm not that, sure i agree oh my god that's scary to me I you're saying, you you're saying the main metric of success is popularity yeah what no fuck you guys no i'm it not saying tough. that i'm not saying that grant and i don't think popularity doesn't mean as broad of a, a usage of the word as you as you might interpret me saying people have to appreciate it even even if the audience is small a great level of appreciation can account for popularity of a piece of work, but something you can, you cannot ascribe greatness to a thing just alone with no one ever seeing it away from the world. But yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely accurate. But I don't want to say that something needs to be popular in its time, which is sort of the input. I feel like that's like the far reaching implication of what you're saying, which is to say that, Oh yeah. Like if it's not, if it's not in the zeitgeist, if it's not that, then it's not greatness. But there's so many artists who are underappreciating their time. And, and but if, a, uh, if that time never comes, though, 
Then the what? greatness isn't inherent in the piece. I think it still was there. I, well, I, that's I, an, that's, that is interesting, and that's a fair. That is a fair point. I think appreciation in time still ascribes the same greatness to it when it was first created. To say that it wasn't great when it was first created is to like undo the greatness that it has quote unquote achieved now. So I think it was always great. I think it just wasn't fully realized. Yeah, I I agree with you. Thank you, and fuck it, you, Vince. And just, me and Colin are on the same team, and, and you're and not. And on fuck a- you, Grant. <laughs> oh yes, and fuck that opinion. Uh, no, but it it is it's a dude. Tough, how many times have you said fuck you to me on this show? Not many. <laughs> was that the first? No way. It, one of a very small handful. Nice. That felt good. I can't wait to in a future episode dive even deeper into that into that fuck you conversation. But for right now, <laughs> wow. We we like need nervous. to we need to go to a couple of other questions that we oh, yeah, have for you. Two specifically, are they germane or are they in germane? They are they are specifically germane. <laughs> okay, and they are as follows. Answer these in order if you could. The first one is how can our listeners support you, Colin Fitzpatrick? What's the second? The second one would be if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the episode. Oh, what would that be? What one's he supposed to? Have? Answer first. First things say, first. How, how how can they support you, our listeners? Support me. You could follow my band Peaks on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Somos Peaks. peaks. <laughs> slash We Are Peaks. Sorry. SoundCloud.com we'll slash We Are Peaks. Yeah. Uh, and or following us on Spotify because we need to get like 500 subscribers or whatever on Spotify in order to make us look pro with our pictures and we can make cool to level up yeah we can make dope playlists for you guys listen to that's true other people's music make that happen that's something we did with that's a stock because they got enough followers and it was like oh cool we can make this thing yeah it was sweet dude actually maybe i'll show notes just the file of this like gif i made of like a spinning record for the playlist that we made for this year is pretty fun sweet let's do it tight all right those are good ways those are good ways uh and Anyone who's, lis- or who's listening who is interested in hiring you, can they go to a website maybe to see oh, your yes. real, see website, your work? ColinFitzpatrick.com. It'll Aptly be in the named. links below, I'm it, sure. It will be because we now, uh, we oh, we yeah. hyperlink out to that on every episode page. Intro music by, no, yeah, intro and outro music by Colin Fitzpatrick, which will link you right there. You'll be able to find that site on two different places on this week's wow, episode. Wow, what a treat. So... <laughs> Great answers. Secondarily, but not less importantly, what would you like our listeners to take away from your time on this episode? I don't know. To like to the musicians out there that that are thinking about doing jingle writing because that's what I've been focusing on, or like that's what I guess I've been doing a lot for like the past three years. Uh, it's it's actually pretty awesome, you know. Like as as much as I was downplaying the whole not getting enough time to do my art it's it's really cool to be able to focus on like people asked to do polka and i get to learn about polka and i get to learn about the culture aspects of how polka came to be so that i can understand why the instruments are used and how they're used in together and i can understand for certain styles of hip-hop i i like to go on wikipedia and research like how that came to be and that's really cool and you get to learn how to use tools to make that kind of music that you wouldn't normally make, and then you can use those tools to make the art that you want to make separately. It kind of opens up a whole bunch of different avenues. And I think for maybe the non-musicians, uh, just the general creatives out there, if you're not doing social media, I feel like you and I both need to start doing some social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, an, what an earnest and honest approach to, to some last thoughts, man. Uh, I love that. I think it's important to remember that a lot of jobs in media and advertising is problem solving and the ability to apply your specific skill set creatively to solve those problems can be rewarding in its own way. Yeah. Totally. It's like, and if you zoom that okay so you zoom that out to the career perspective in advertising, you zoom it all the way out, I think making it work is an attitude and it is that is the process of life at any point problem solving it's it's how what can i do to make this 
work, make this happen? How can I find something in this that I can get excited about? How can I find something in this that will create value for me, for the people involved? Or how will I say that, no, I can't make it work? Because that's a big part of this equation. And I, I don't know. I think, Colin, I think what you're doing is you're you're diving right into that process. <laughs> and the, it kind of never ends, right? It's like, but I think the sort of attitude that will get you to a good place is the let's find a way. It's let's let's solve the problem. Let's make it happen. Let's I mean ship it, right? Let's ship it. Uh, well, let me take this. And <laughs> fuck yeah! And hold on, we already that is your is that not your voice, right? That is yeah. I we, was trying to sound like Tim This is incredible. I mean, this is this is actually fairly. What exciting. a treat! If you've listened this far, you are in for for one of the best caps of any episode. Every episode we end with that catchy ass song, repeating Ooh. our mantra. Uh, uh, stupid. Yeah, yeah. And that is originally Colin's voice. Certainly with some effects, right? <laughs> yeah, or maybe it not. Might have not. I must oh. have just been like. Yeah. I don't know. The hand over the mouth practical effect. I love it. It was probably definitely effects. So you've heard this before, but you'll hear. You're about to hear it again. Colin, would you do us the distinct honor of shipping us out and giving us a ship it? Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Ship it.